huh? Yeah, whenever you're ready. <laughs> hey, everyone, I'm Kevin Wolf. And I'm David Oro, and you're listening to The Embargo, the greatest PR podcast of all time. Damn straight. Whenever we get around to it. Which is usually every other week. We're going to talk about news, politics, sports, pop culture, business, whatever we want. All of it from the point of view of public relations and communication. We are all about punching stodgy PR in the face. That's right. So sit back, strap in, and let's get it on. Today is Thursday, November 11th, 2021. It is Veterans Day in the United States of America. And you're listening to the, like I said, the greatest PR podcast of all time. Kevin Wolf, how are you doing? I'm good, dude. I think that's a fact. Is it? Going under. Yeah, it is a fact. But that's like a jungle sometimes. Makes me I think there was some going under. There were some scientists involved in the process. It, it, you know, I think they uh, they analyzed several thousand PR podcasts, and sure enough, as we expected, the embargo came out right at the top. I think it has its own Wikipedia entry. I think it's right oh. there. So well, that's a good idea. If it doesn't, it, it should. Yeah. You get like a celebrity endorser too. Yeah, we 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 could get one. We could get one. Hey, Kevin, I saw something this morning. I tweeted about it on the embargoed podcast, but uh, or embargoed uh, handle on Twitter. It's Mark Zuckerberg came up with this metaverse thing, and Iceland did uh, a parody of it called Icelandverse. Uh, You guys got to look that up on the internet. Just Icelandverse. It is the most I, hilarious parody I've ever seen. I, yeah, I don't, I don't watch, watch it. I did. And I don't, I really like people send me memes or like my kids are constantly trying to show me stuff and I could care less, but I did watch that one and it was hysterical. It actually made me want to go to Iceland. Like it, it first of all, it was beautiful and they were super funny. The guy was super funny. So uh, <laughs> I, I thought it was great, man. And you yeah. know what? Uh, any chance to like uh, make fun of Mark Zuckerberg, uh, I'm in. They they nailed it. It was basically an SNL skit, but for a travel brochure for Iceland. It was fantastic. I loved it. So yeah, yeah, no, it was great. Good, uh, nice tweet, Dave. <laughs> you like that? Uh, follow us, the embargoed on Twitter. Get there. Right. All right, Kim, we got business to discuss, things to yep. do, guests to introduce. We have another guest this week. Uh, you want to introduce her, and then we'll get I to the, the core of the show. Yeah, yeah, I've got uh, we've got a great guest. I, I, you know, we've got. Uh, I think this is well. I think this is the best guest we've ever had. Actually, I'm going to go out and I'm going to I'm going to say this is the, the best guest we've got. Um, we've got Polly Trailer. Now, Polly, don't say anything yet because I want to give you a proper introduction and try not to stumble over it. Polly Trailer is the director of marketing communications and content at Comprise which is a data management software company based in Campbell, California. Polly, before that, Polly was the director of corporate communications at OpsRamp, which is an IT infrastructure management company in San Jose, California. Before that, David, Polly and I worked together for like 10 years, which as you know, is an incredibly difficult thing to do. No one- Especially uh, with you, buddy. Yeah, no one can stand <laughs> that. So it's amazing that Polly managed to do it for a decade. But she did. And together, uh, you know, we helped enterprise tech companies tell their stories through content and media. And before that, Polly worked for Microsoft and she was a professional journalist for some of the tech industry's top publications, including CIO Magazine and the Industry Standard. Polly is based in the Denver area. She loves the outdoors. And she is the co-author, David, she's the co-author of uh, what should have been a best-selling book called Startup Land, Madness, Brilliance, and PR Misadventures. You can still buy that, I believe, on Amazon. Everyone run out and do that right now. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Embargo at Polly Trailer. Hey, guys. Hi, Kevin. Hi, David. Thanks so much for having me. Wow, I, that was an, a quite excellent intro. I don't know that I deserve Best Guest Award, but, but yeah. hey, I'll, I'll take yeah. it. Did I did I miss anything? Did oh I miss anything no. from your bio that you think is is relevant? No, that was fantastic, and thanks for bringing up that book that we worked on together. That was a lot of fun. And the, and and the book is called Startup Madness, Brilliance, and PR Misadventures. The co-author was Kevin Wolf, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, and it's Polly Trader. 
look what I have in front of me, guys. (laughs) I have the book. Like it's like actual paper and their photos are on the back. It's a quick read. It is, (laughs) it is a quick, insightful read. And I'll tell you this. Oh, look, I got my book part at the end of the book. And uh, there, there are, uh, war stories in here and if you read the book and you email kevin directly um he's anonymized some client work in here but if you email him directly you'll know who these people are he'll tell you uh some of these characters that are in this book and uh it was kind of a fun read to i'll even to sign a copy that. i'll sign a copy and send it back to you then you have an autographed copy oh yeah you should make one of those nf nfts ntfs what are those okay. you know curious how, right? how, how long did you guys work on this book Good question. Probably 18 months. Does that it's seem right? Like it, it shouldn't have been as long as it was because the book's not that long. I'd like to call it a PR novella. But I, <laughs> That's right. Been, like Kevin and I both have kids. And when we were working on this, my kids are much younger and Kevin's kids are still young. But anyway, kids working. And so we could just put a little time into it. And I think we both got to the point where like, this is as good as it's going to get for now because I'm not willing to stay up till midnight to work on it. Um, yeah, the truth is that Polly did yeah. pretty much all the heavy lifting and the book would have been much longer if I had helped more. <laughs> no, 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 no. Kevin was like, Kevin would talk, I would write. It was all magic. Um, yeah. But no, it was a fun little exercise and, and I'm glad we did it. And, you know, it, publishing and getting a book into the bookosphere of, many, many downloads and purchases is, is a hell of a job. And, you know, so is it a yeah. bestseller? No. Could it have been? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, I think maybe there's still an opportunity. Like, I think maybe we revisit that mm-hmm. at some point uh, in retirement. I think, yeah. You know, well, I know. I, I, I'm not, cherishing. Not to happening. Yeah. I'm cherishing my copy here. And I'm so honored, Thanks, so, Thanks. so honored to have the authors of this book on the embargo and on this show. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Kevin, we got some stuff today to talk about, right? And it's yeah. comms related. And I think, um, it, well, I'll let you set it up because I, I think you, you've done a lot of work here on uh, setting up this agenda. But it's. I think we're going to be going over some of these reports and findings, which we love to do, really at the um, – PR and communications professionals. And I think there's some good findings coming out of this. Yeah, that's right. So you know, we, we should get to that because it's like this decision report that came out this week and it's like the 2021 global comms report or whatever they're calling it. So I, I think there were some data points in there worth exploring, but you know, what we've got on the show today, right, are three people um, who have, the three of us who have all kind of had similar experiences, right? So we've We've all been consultants uh, to tech companies in a Corpcom capacity, and we've all been in-house. So we've kind of seen the Corpcom world and the agency side, Dave, for you and me. So we've kind of seen the Corpcom space from all of its different, you know, beautiful angles, right? And so I thought, like, you know, know, I thought we'd just kind of, like, dig into, like, what's happening in the Corpcom space today. And I think we've got like the enterprise tech corpcom space, really like we've got like great insights there, I think. And so I don't know, I just thought we could kind of like what's happening in this space today? How is it changing? And then, you know, in, talk about some of the data that came out of the out of decision report. Does that, uh, hey, does that work for you? Works for me. Let's do it. Holly, what do you think? Does that say, I mean, I know you talk about corpcom stuff and are thinking about it all the time. Should we talk about we could talk about something else. I know you like jogging and tennis <laughs> and, you know, hey, raising kids. Let's, and... let's tackle business first, pleasure okay. later. How about right. that? We do have some fun. I, I created some stupid games for the end of this pod. So, you know, sit hey. tight because those are going to be, that's, that's when the real excitement kicks in. So, okay. but all right. So, so, you know, I have been doing this Corpcom stuff for, for 20 six years coming up on 27 years so that's a long time and you've both been in the industry tech space and comm space for a long time as well and you know i was doing some research on on the market on the corpcom market and i came across this article that I actually published today on on insider 
uh, right? Formerly Business Insider. Um, and it was about the public relations space. And it said that PR pros are in high demand as companies try to rehire in a tight job market and companies apparently are aggressively going after talent, oftentimes offering six-figure pay without meeting candidates in some cases. So I read that and the first thing that came to my head was, wow, like these are boom times for the corpcom industry. Hmm. So, is, that, is that recent? Because Insider has been publishing those articles for the last six months and I'm hoping right. it's still the case. You know, I think what they do, Dave, is they like, they grab a bunch of old articles and they mention that kind of stuff, you know, kind of in, in the context of the article and then they throw in a few new quotes. So yeah. they get a couple of quotes from some, um, some like recruiting agencies that hire for corpcom roles. And that was kind of the new piece of uh, information that showed up in the, uh, in the article. So I don't know, uh, Polly, like, is, is this a boom time, whatever that means for corpcom? Like, is this an exciting time to be in this space? Do you think based on your experience and what you're hearing, like, do you think this is a great time to be, you know, a corpcom professional? I do. I do. And I think there's like a few things going on here. First of all, um, you know, there's just, as we all know, so much of a change with journalism and media jobs. And um, so much content is now being produced by companies, um, not just for their own use on their own website, but for publication elsewhere. And that, you know, of course we know that's due to the economies of journalism. It's, it's very hard to produce content. So now it's becoming, it has become so much more accepted for us corp comms people to contribute to content everywhere. Um, you know, whether that's a, a, a sponsored um, paid media or not. Um, and so I think there's that. I also think that just, you know, marketing is now so much about content and it always cracks me up when I see these, whatever, books or seminars or websites about marketing, content marketing, content marketing. It's like, isn't all marketing content now? And so, I th and corporate com really intersects a lot with marketing, probably more so than ever. I just think things have become really blended. So for me, I've loved being in corp com because um, I don't have to have the responsibility that VP marketing does to, you know, generate a certain amount of pipeline or leads, lead value. But yet I make, I can influence the marketing and sales teams and still do the fun stuff, which is being creative, um, writing stories, talking about ideas, finding people within the company that can help um, push the brand. So you get to kind of have this interesting play between pure PR and marketing and sales. And so I think it's a really excellent career track, honestly, um, and especially in tech because there's so much garbage to, um, how do I say this nicely? There, there, there's, there's just a lot of, of crap out there and it's really hard to understand tech and science. And so people who can get into these fields that have a knack at telling stories and distilling it into um, language and messages that are relatable by a lot of different audiences can really do well. Yes. Yeah, so, so Polly, Polly, Polly oh, another way to say that is there's a lot of shit out there. It's okay. <laughs> to say that. that's, that's a nice way to say it too. So yeah, absolutely. There, there is. So, but, but Dave, here, here's a follow-up question for you, right? So should the corpcom, how much the corpcom job is really the corp content job, right? Like I, I was on a, I have a client that I'm working with that, um, that sent me some messaging docs that they had put together and they'd clearly, they'd hired an agency and they'd clearly spent gobs of money. And like, you know, it, it was all about, positioning and messaging and how they're, you know, words they were going to use to talk about the company. But the, and, and, and so like that responsibility for, for kind of going through that messaging exercise, it seemed like it seemed to fall to um, the investor, kind of the primary investor of the company and the, um, the chief executive of the company. And then, you know, like the marketing people were involved, but the comms people, the people that I work with, 
you know, they weren't really in the role of like kind of figuring out what that messaging should be. I mean, they were participating in it, but it wasn't really, it really wasn't their responsibility to settle on that messaging. So Dave, my question for you is like, is the corp com role really just the corp content role at this point? Like how much do we get involved in the messaging and positioning? And is that changing as content responsibilities become more significant? Yeah, well, I think what you just described is is follow goes under maybe product marketing or or product management or things like that. Uh, what we do on the corpcom side, and this is my definition of it, it's a lot of reputational work, right? And it's you know some of that is done through PR, some of that's done through content, uh, some of that is done with employees, and the content that comes from us helps. Uh, bolster the position, whether it be with partners, customers, media, or employees, and trying to uh, create content for that. And like, at least what I heard you describe was maybe product positioning, where the company's sort of headed and understanding that, whatever that sometimes, and that's the interesting mix. And I think a lot of people that are not in this business don't understand that line of, you know, trying what marketing, what a true marketing function does of selling something and positioning a product uh, against, you know, another product or an industry or whatever it is versus building up a reputation, which is truly a corporate communications function. And there's an interplay there, obviously. Sure. But, uh, but uh, you know, those things need to work together efficiently. And, and, you know, we've had a guest in the past saying your function is that corporate communications functions, you know, the outlets to put that out, whether it be media, whether it be with analysts, whether it be employee channels, et cetera, that's where the corporate communications function is. So, so Polly, is that, so what, so if, if you had to divide your time, I know you do all kinds of things that comprise, but if you had to divide your time between or estimate how your time is divided between positioning, messaging, and content creation. What do you think that breakout, that breakdown is? Like how much of your time is spent trying to figure out what the message is or should be for the company, whether it's related to the product or your, you know, kind of competitive different, you know, competitive position versus creating content to support whatever messaging you've already got. Like how how does your time split between those activities? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I do think that these, these, answers to these questions are going to depend so much on the company, the size of the company um, and who you work for. But where I work, and this was pretty much the same as my previous company, the VP of marketing has really been the person who's driven more the messaging and the positioning. And I have played more of a complementary role in helping to massage or provide input into that. But the VP of marketing has kind of owned that. And so I, my role has been more around creating the content and yes, I created like a messaging document, but it was, you know, heavily influenced and guided by the VP marketing, by our CEO and COO. So I don't feel like I own that, but it's my, I feel like my responsibility more is to um, certainly help, help shape that, but really take that direction and, and spin it across our programs, make sure that the salespeople aren't going out and saying a, a ton of different things. Try to um, look at what we do in the blog, PR, and on the website. You know, does it kind of all make sense together, or are we spinning up a number of different messages all the time? So it's almost like I think Corpscom can, can, in a way, be like a messaging police hmm. um, for consistency and clarity um, around the message. But I honestly think that um, the messaging and positioning is a higher level of responsibility. Interesting. Than, than Corpcom. I like the messaging police idea though. That's that's a smart way to look at it. So like we're not creating the laws, like we're not Congress, so to speak, for the for the positioning. We're just the enforcement division. Well, I, I don't know if it's the enforcement division, but it, it is it is it goes back into being true to the company, to the values and the stories that you want to tell. Right. And sometimes, um, you know, if you're a developer focused company, you want to focus on developers. You don't want to necessarily get into an argument over 
an IT manager and IT implementation, but really focus on the need of a developer. If you're in the semiconductor space, you know, you're create, it's about speed, feeds, and being bigger, faster, stronger, cheaper kind of thing. And you want to make sure that employees, content, blogs, things like that, just don't go off the tangent and you're aligning that to the mission or the objectives of the company. It, it, and, and you'll see it when you're inside that some people are, are trying to push this way. Sometimes it's a VP of marketing. Sometimes it's a product manager trying to go a different route, right? And that's, that's sort of the push and pull that happens every day inside the companies. And I think this is where a corporate communications person working alongside marketing, VP of marketing, and the executive team really to try to understand where this is headed. Because, you know, I, I'm, I'm working with a client right now and they're basically trying to be in every adjacent market possible. And, you know, it's in the software space. It could be Kubernetes cloud. It could be this, that, whatever is the flavor of the day. And, uh, you know, just trying to keep them aligned on one or two things is really the challenge. Absolutely. Yeah. Make, make your claim and, and stick to it as much as you can, because it's only going to hurt you and customers don't know what you are. <laughs> yeah, totally. But you but you but you really are the content leader, I think, is another way to to kind of look at this this job. So like if you're so Polly, let's say that you're um, you know, let's say that you're 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 you become vice president of marketing at, at some future company, which I don't know, maybe, maybe that, maybe that suits you. I don't know if that, uh, if that's something you'd want to do at some point, but let's say you become VP marketing at your next job and you are hiring for the corpcom role internally at the company. What skills do you think would be important in the person that you were looking to hire? So for people kind of looking at, you know, becoming a corpcom professional in a enterprise tech company, what, what kind of skills should they be developing? What would you be looking for? Sure. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, some people really emphasize having the subject matter expertise that, that your company has. I honestly don't think that that is that important. I feel like if you are a seasoned communications person and you have worked in an industry broadly, like let's say tech, that you can kind of pick up anything. Um, so I would say, you know, I would first look at you know, the kind of experience that they've had um, in different types of companies. You know, I'd love to see somebody who's worked at some small, some large, you know, um, and has had a heavy writing experience and as well as um, has been, had to maybe work in some challenging conditions where they've had to, I don't know, negotiate things. I mean, I think, honestly, one of the, the biggest, um, <laughs> characteristics that I think a successful corpcom person has is you have to be a little pushy. You have to be okay with being a bit of a nag to make sure that A, you know, you get your work done because it requires collaboration from a lot of people, but B, helping people understand why it's important for them to help you. Um, I can't sit here and do my job without the help of so many people and not just within marketing, but within our, our executive team, on our product team, um, our technical implementation team, I, our salespeople. And trust me, like people don't, you know, you got to convince them as to why this is important because right, everyone's right. in their own zone. So I think you need to be a little pushy. You need to be um, okay with that. Um, and, and I think you have to be a little bit of a cheerleader, like someone who is happy to go out there on the internal Slack channels and get excited about what we're writing about, what the buzz is, um, what our story is, what people are sharing on social media. Um, you have, I think it takes a bit of an extrovert. Now I'm not an extrovert. I'm whatever that thing is between intro and extra, but I'm, but I'm at work. I can put on my extrovert hat and get on the phone with people or on email and be peppy and, and get them excited. Um, if you're a really passive person, you might not enjoy the role because it's not just about writing. It's about being a really good communicator and a good influencer as much internally as externally. Um, so, you know, I think those are some things that I, I would look for in somebody. And also um, somebody who is uh, God dang, you got to be really organized, um, really organized and deadline oriented. And I started out in journalism, so that became ingrained. But 
there's so many balls all the time in marketing. I think developers can go and they can sit there and they can focus on, I'm going to develop this feature, put my headphones on, don't bug me for three days. And people are okay with that. But I, in, I, I wish for yeah. days like that sometimes. <laughs> don't you? I know. I'm just like, when I have a meeting free day, it's like a blissful experience, but you have to be able to um, multitask and not let things get lost in the shuttle and also prioritize because you're going to have people coming to you all the time. Oh, Polly, can you help me with this presentation? Polly, can you do this? And it's like, well, guess what? Here's a template. Right. I think it's kind of like being a parent, actually, <laughs> in a little bit. You know, like you, you've got to like explain. Yeah. like It's called work, you know, Kevin. <laughs> well, no, but it's like, you know, your kid comes in and you're like, hey, can you, can you make me something to eat? You're like, well, there's the refrigerator. Like I can, you know, and we've like, I've shown you how to make the sandwich before. Like I can point you in the right direction. You should go ahead and make that sandwich now on your own. But I, I, I think you're right. I, I think the PR role, I think the CorpCom role has become more challenging. I think they're, the, the media industry has changed everything. Um, I think the job is, I think the job is harder than ever. I think it's hard, especially like for people like us who work with a lot of startups, I think it's really hard to get the attention of the people that you need to be involved in the PR process and the CorpCom process. And Paul, you were just talking about that, right? Like, how do you, how do you corral these people? Like, we can create content in a vacuum and we do this all the time, right? Like, well, like, you know, Paul, you and I work on stuff like this all the time. Like, we're going to create a Q&A and like, we're going to write the questions and sometimes we're going to write the answers too. But what we really need are the executives who, um, who have the vision of the company or the vision of the market and we need their attention. And it's hard to get their attention these days. I, I think competition in the spaces that we work is, is intense. I think, yeah. you know, they don't have a lot of bandwidth to assist CorpCom, even though they, I'm sure most of them appreciate why it's necessary. I mean, we probably wouldn't be involved if, if they didn't. Um, there's a ton of pressure for, uh, in terms of getting press coverage. Um, I don't know, Dave, how do you, how do you deal with the, the pressure to constantly get press coverage despite the fact that there are more companies than ever after that same coverage and media is all over the place. And there's God only knows, you know, most of them are freelancers. Like how, how do you deal with the pressure that comes along with being a, uh, a CorpCom person trying to get regular press coverage? Well, on, on just on the media relations side, you should grind, right? I mean, literally you're grinding. There's a, you know, we talked about this a little bit last week, Kevin. I think there's, there's a, there's different outlets to do things. And, you know, there's regular news that we can go through and hopefully you'll get some coverage from the people that are supposed to be in the space covering it. But, you know, you, we're talking a lot about content today. There's own stuff that you can do in place of those. And that's a new thing that is really just taken off in the last decade or so of placing what we call thought leadership pieces in, in places that take those things. And you have to have a mix of those things always. Uh, and then, you know, on the media front, you got to, uh, a big part of this job beyond writing, talking and everything is just thinking, <laughs> thinking about what, what news angle I can get onto, what, what uh, different approach can I take to, to key up the interest of a reporter. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that for people that aren't in this business, they don't understand that. Right. And, and like, how do you get them in the news? Well, I read a lot of news, right. right. I talk to a lot of reporters. I, understand business trends and things of that nature. Yeah. Uh, and then I make a pitch that is informed, smart, um, and interesting to some journalists and hopefully help them with their story to get more readership coverage and kudos from their editors. That's what we're really aiming at. Uh, and, There's a lot of, uh, I think you're right. There's a lot of experimentation that, that goes <laughs> into it, right? I mean, it's like you're, you're testing stuff in real time uh, you know, in, in, in your outreach to press and in the messaging or the content that you create, like you yeah. don't always know what's going to work. And it's funny, like I'll, I'll reach out to, I, I was in touch with a reporter today and, you know, I sent her something and she's like, no, I, I'm not interested in that at all in terms of the way you presented it. Like, it's just not, but I've used that same pitch on people and they've been, oh, this is great. This is exactly what I'm looking for. So it, it's, it's hard. Like that's a hard thing to explain to people, to clients sometimes, like what works for some reporters won't work for another, the, the kind of content that people are interested in, it, it changes. 
uh, from person to person, from publication to publication. Like you've really got to test a bunch of different things. You've got to be willing to, to, to fail, right? To try stuff that probably, you know, that sometimes won't work. That's a hard thing. And I think, Paul, like I'm sure you experienced this when you were, you know, on the consultant side, but that's a hard thing for a consultant to explain to a client is like, you know, we've got these, this Corpcom idea. I think it might work. It also might not. And it might work for some yeah. people and it might not work for others. And we're going to, you know, we're going to throw this thing against the wall and see what happens. Um, and you try to, you know, make informed decisions uh, along those lines. But yeah, I think being creative, willing to experiment, willing to, to fail is, is pretty important. So uh, I know 100%, that's yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, so Dave, you want to get to some of this, uh, this scission data, right? So for those who don't know, scission is, um, I don't know, I guess they're like a PR tools company and, and you can issue press releases with them and they keep track of all your, all the media contacts and you can do all kinds of other uh, fun and exciting. I, 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 I think they call it a platform, Kevin. Nobody uses tools anymore. Oh, how fancy. Cool, how man, fancy. It's, it's a platform. Oh, good for them. Media for them. engagement platform. Yeah, it's oh, a media great. engagement platform and a monitoring platform. I'm sure that helped them raise a ton of money. Congratulations. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, so they partnered with PR Week, which is like an industry pub, and they did this global comms report. And, you know, I poured through it, and, and there was some stuff that you'd expect. And then I pulled out a few data points that I, I thought were interesting. So one of the so, data points – oh, go ahead. Well, Kevin, it's the – just so if anybody's looking for it, it's the 2021 yeah. Global Comms Report, paying and earning attention. Mm. C-suite reliance on comms has never been stronger. Hey, we were just talking about that. Finds yeah. this, it's a fifth annual PR week decision study. So there you go. Yeah, it's out there. It's on the World Wide Web. You can, uh, you can get it. Actually, I was able to download it for free, which I thought was, you know, very nice of them because um, a lot of people want to put this behind a paywall, I guess. But yeah, I was able to get it. And uh, so, so one of the points, and, and I think this is something we've talked about before, but apparently social media matters more than ever to Corpcom people. And I've said on this pod many times that, you know, I'm really a traditional media guy and I think it's really important. And I think social is, um, is a mess and I know that we have to use it, but I, I, I don't like to, um, it's not my, my area of expertise. So, so, Dave, Polly, well, let's start with Polly. Polly, what do you think? Like, what's your take on social media as a Corpcom tool? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I, I have mixed feelings about social media, honestly. I think it has a role. Um, I think in terms of persuading somebody to do business with you, it is much more powerful in the B2C realm than B2B um, because social media is such a one-to-one -one and you know it's all about it's really more, you know, social media is just more personal. People go in there and they talk about the car I bought, the, the purse I found for this great price and click buy it. Yay. Okay. So, but in B2B, it's a lot more challenging. Um, and I've been wrestling for a while about, you know, how to use it, how to measure it. I do think though that it, it can be really great in two areas. Um, one in brand awareness um, and we have seen like, for instance, we are on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. LinkedIn, um, is our consistently, I looked at the past six months, um, top referral source to our website. Mm. So, um, so that's pretty cool. You know, people are getting to our website now. Are they staying there very long? I don't know, but it's sending them, you know, it's a top source. And, um, just interestingly, Kevin, just so you know, like in the past six months, guess what else has been a top source? VentureBeat, thanks nice, to nice. a brilliant PR firm that I use called TGPR that has been getting us into um, VentureBeat articles and people reading those articles are coming to our website, top Great. three referral source. So anyway, that's pretty cool. Um, to my disdain, Facebook is also a top referral source, but mm. anyway, we don't have time to get into that. Um, but I think, so it has the role there. The other area that I think it's really important, especially for LinkedIn is for recruiting and yeah. So we've been using our LinkedIn um, handle for a lot of recruiting type activities and not just direct, like, you know, here's jobs, but really trying to highlighting our people and our culture with photos, videos, et cetera, et cetera. And um, since we've been spending more time than the past few months, we've seen our followers just spike. So I think that um, it has a role and I think it really depends on your industry, but you know, let's get real. Uh, small tech startup, 
I don't want to call us a startup. We've been around since 2014, pretty established business at this point, but a younger company trying to um, get above the noise on Twitter, you know, no, it is not going to happen. So you have to, you have to really, um, sort of working for temper your expectations and use it appropriately, but don't spend too much time on it. Dave, what is the right amount of time to spend on social media if you're a corp com person for a B2B company? Every day. Wow. <laughs> but like in well, spurts. A little spurts, bit every right? day. A little bit every day, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, and it's the place to get the content that Polly's writing or anybody else on the content team is writing to get out there. It's our amplification tool. It's the thing to, to use. Uh, you know, I think, you know, I'm more of a fan of social than you are, Kevin, even though I hate parts of it. Um, but it is where I think the modern worker, today's worker, particularly in our industry in tech, gets their information. We've been standing at this computer for six hours today, seven, some of us seven or eight. And sooner or later, we're going to click over to LinkedIn or Twitter or someplace else to see something. And we need to be in that feed. Uh, and that's the tools that we use. It's, it, it's, all, it's just something in our arsenal that we have to have. Some companies can use it most, but I think really where the power is, is in um, individual experts who grow, uh, who share their knowledge over time uh, through social media. Um, whether that be, you know, somebody like Elon Musk or somebody that's deep in the IOT space who really knows that industry and begins to share that content and people will follow you and they'll engage you and everything like that for us and whatever we're doing, I think LinkedIn is probably the best one. I just, you know, they're doing a lot there and doing a lot of good. So, yeah. And it also seems to be kind of like the, uh, among the social platforms, the least likely to just see a bunch of junk. Right. I mean, uh, it, it's you know you see it from time to time but it's it's actually pretty i think it's pretty good um and i don't know if that's intentional in terms of them weeding stuff out <laughs> yeah. uh, you know whereas facebook obviously doesn't care or I, if it's just people are more likely to post quality content on linkedin well you know your linkedin it's your job it's your career right and so there's there's self-policing going on over there yeah maybe that, that you won't find in other places and uh the community itself there was somebody who went on there and tried to put something political on and I swear there was like 20 people like this Shut isn't for this isn't for LinkedIn. Keep that politics out of here. Tell us right. about your work. You know? Right, so. right, right. All right. So another uh, interesting data point I thought we've talked about this already, but apparently according to the decision report, content creation is more important than media outreach. I guess 52% of respondents decisions poll said content creation was their biggest priority compared to 42% who said it was media outreach. Scary. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, I honestly, I uh, just on a you know on a like, you know based on my business, I would say that shift started happening about ten years ago. I would say ten years ago, maybe content was I don't know ten to fifteen percent of my business, maybe twenty percent of my business. It's probably now fifty percent of the work that I do on behalf of clients involves creating content of some kind. So I'm really not, I'm not surprised. Paul, what about you? Does that does that mix surprise you? Um. No, it doesn't surprise me, but I, I would disagree. I do not think that content creation is more important than media outreach in the CorpCom. I think they're both kind of equally important. You have to have great content so that your marketing slash PR firm has something to pitch, right. something to share. But I just, I think the role of a good media relations person cannot be um, overemphasized. It is not an easy job. I do not envy what you guys have to do, especially in our industry and in technology. And um, I think you really need to spend money on having a really savvy person, a really savvy firm who is creative, who works really hard, who knows how to work a story um, and who knows how to keep going back and back and back and trying new things. So, and the media is critical. I mean, we still get you know, all of our information. Yes, we get some from social media more and more, but we get a lot of it from the big outlets, um, CNN, USA Today, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and all the other tech pubs um, that we all read in our particular industry sectors. So I, I think it's critical. I, I don't 
my view is, is they're equal. And there, there's sometimes when media is more important. If you don't have a lot to say and a lot to share, media person can help you figure out what else you could be saying and sharing, right. helping you, you know, kind of, and they get feedback from the industry about, hey, people are looking for these kind of stories. People are interested in these kind of topics. What can you create? But Paul, how much of your content creation are, are you measuring or trying to drive directly into sales or qualified leads, things of that nature? I'm working with a client right now. We've made a shift and um, all the content we're creating, I've done some of it and others are doing it, are around navigating to, towards this new business model. Uh, it's sort of like a surround sound. And I really like it, right? Because it's really mission focused of trying to steer the company in a direction, steer the customers in a direction to understanding that, right? And so uh, curious, what kind of interplay do you have there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think everything should be demand gen and I don't think everything that you do should be directly tied back to the company and the product and selling. Um, but it all is interconnected. And I think if you are able to create good thought leadership um, content that doesn't directly speak about what you do, and that could be, you know, byline articles, it could be podcast interviews, it could be whatever, whatever, um, then it just helps support the sales motion. Um, but I don't think that everything should be considered through that lens. As far as like what I do, um, you know, I'm, I'm a smaller company, so I don't do just PR and CorpCom. I, I, I contribute to other areas and we like anybody else. We have free ports and ebooks that are downloadable. Some of them are gated, some are not. We do events, blah, blah, blah. Um, I would say right now, you know, in terms of content that's directly, you know, in support of our sales efforts, probably, um, you know, more than half, you know, more than 50%, yeah, I'd say, probably. yeah, but probably that's what I would say. It, it probably needs to be, but like, you ever go to like a, a party and you, you're talking to a bunch of people and somebody's like just talking about themselves, talking about themselves. Like eventually people get bored of that. Like Absolutely. tell me something, right? Like just tell me something else. Like share some thought that you have that's not related to you, your life, your kids, your, you know, like, and, and that's the same thing. Companies need to look at it the same way. Like people don't want to hang around someone that's just always talking about themselves. Like every piece of content can't be a demand gen piece. Every thought leadership article can't be tied to your business. Every announcement you make can't just be about you, you, you. You have to have something else to say, some other, something else that is valuable to share. And when you do that, guess what? People are kind of naturally going to be drawn to you because exactly. you're not always talking about yourself. So you're more interesting. And, and yeah. the only last thing I would say about it is when you have really passionate founder executives, um, it can be hard because yep. it's yep. their baby, they built it and they're thinking this all day long. And so yep. that is another job of the CorpCom person is to help expand the horizon of what the um, conversations are. Right, and maybe, you know, it's like, can you find, is there something else that that person is passionate about? Because passionate people tend to be passionate about a lot of things, right? It's not all, you know, like, like I'm passionate about sports. I'm also passionate about like my kids. I'm passionate about, you know, um, politics. Like if, if you're passionate about something, you tend to be passionate about other things. So that's actually a good person to draw on. You just got to get them talking about something else. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, Dave, there was just one other, uh, item that I pulled from this, uh, decision report, and then we can get to game time, which, uh, which is always fun. But there, there was this note in the decision report about comms pros having money to spend, but on what? So the, the data point was basically of the respondents to this survey, 87% uh, said the C-suite had sought their counsel in the past year, and 44% um, uh, said that, you know, let's see, tightening budgets were among their top three biggest challenges, which was down from 57%. So I guess people are, are less concerned is the way to read that uh, in, in terms of their budget. So they've got money to spend, but, um, but, but they weren't sure what to spend it on. Apparently 36% said that uh, no digital or real world behavior was driven by their content, which is kind of startling. Maybe the start, most startling data point in this entire uh, study, yeah. right? 36% said no behavior was driven by their content. 
that's uh, that's kind of what. What, what do you mean by that? Nobody clicks on it. Nobody moves on it. Do you understand what? Yeah, I mean, take it take it for what it is, right? Like, no behavior, no real world or digital behavior was driven by their content. So, a third, more than a third of the stuff that we're cranking out, nobody cares about. Is basically mm-hmm. what that's saying. So, so what should Dave? Why don't you take this one? What should people be spending the money if they're not if they're not getting any traction or enough traction on their content? Where should that money go? I, I asked the clarifying question, and now you want me to answer? <laughs> take the answer. Well, I can take it after, Dave. What, 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 I mean, look, I, I, you know, look, I'm not, I don't even know if you have to have the, the right answer. I don't no, know what the right answer is. Or maybe that's just the right number, by the way. Yeah, yeah, maybe 64%, just, maybe looking at it the other way, 64% is driving behavior, and that's yeah. kind of yeah, all we should you expect. Know what? You know what? You're going to have duds, dude, right? Yeah. You know, it's yeah, yeah. kind of like it's us. Like we're pitching media and we're like, damn it, 50 people turned me down. Right. The right. 51st person was it yeah. like Thomas Edison here, man, inventing a light bulb, <laughs> trying to figure out how to make this thing work. It's not a bad way to look at it, actually. <laughs> so maybe, maybe, maybe it's more of a glass half full, you know, uh, approach to that, that data point. Polly, what do, you, what do you think? Is that right? Like is 64%? Driving that's behavior. Damn good, dude. That's pretty that's good. That's a great. Maybe that's a good what do you think? Well, I do think actually 64% um, is pretty good. Um, it's weird. 36% that no digital behavior was ever driven by any of their content. I yeah, mean, that's I, what it said. Yeah. I, I have a hard time believing that, but um, I think that I really would like to know, yes, where should we spend our money? We are are looking at, you know, planning for next year right now. And we're all trying to get creative. Everything was so digital last year. People are sick and tired of these webinars and blah, blah. Um, and there, there's just been so much more noise. We've created a lot of content in our company and probably half of it hasn't been very influential. So what do you do? Maybe less is more. Maybe spend more time on really quality stuff. Um, versus just churning out as many blogs as you can or um, sending out as many pitches as you can. You know, what, what could be most impactful for your market? And maybe that's, you know, being able to um, get VIP influencers into your, into your content, either people that you can interview or profile or, you know, find, getting that customer story, being able to tell a customer story about your, your big corporate customer that's closed lipped, um, that could really elevate you. So maybe it's just about being a little bit more surgical and mm-hmm. not just blasting so much. Um, quality over quantity. I think so. You know, we all need to kind of, it's not just about spending the money, but really thinking hard about how you spent your money. Did it deliver the results? If not, what could you be do differently? Do you have the right balance between branding and um, thought leadership and product content? and technical content, you know, are you serving all your audiences yep, well yep. enough? Makes sense. Um, I like it. That that works for me. Uh, Dave, did what, you want to- What the hell do I know, Kevin? No, actually, I think, you know, I, I think that's smart, right? Like quality over quantity. I think that's a good, you need a balance for sure, but it's, you know, may, maybe we can, uh, maybe we should, one of our, takeaways from this and, and thinking about next year is like, you know, all right, well, instead of doing 10 things, let's do five and let's make those five really good. And uh, maybe we can get that 36% number to, uh, to go down. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's a good, it's a, it's a smart, smart idea. I like it. Dave, are you happy with that? Or can we? I, 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 dude, I was good at 60, 64%, like doing good, right? Like, Dave, yeah, Dave's that, a D really student. Good. Dave was a yeah, D student anyway. He's like, yeah, 64. Right? Yeah. I, I feel good, you know? I can, I can hey. still play on the football team. All right, it's, let's switch. It, 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 huh. Kevin, it's above that old adage that, you know, I spend my, you know, 50, you know, half my budget on 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 advertising. I just don't know which half or whatever it is, that, that old saying, right? You know, you're spending yeah. money on marketing. Um, and you know, half of it's working. I just don't know which half. Yeah, I get you. All right. Uh, I, I, we're going to, we're going to switch to game time here. So last week, uh, we, we did this bit, uh, what would Zuckerberg do? And it was so popular, Dave, we're, we're going to run it back part do we're going. So, so the idea behind what, what would Zuckerberg do is, you know, no one likes Mark Zuckerberg and we all like to make fun of him and Facebook. And uh, so in this game, I'm going to give you 
some some made up scenarios, and you have to tell me what what would what would the Zuckman do? What would Zuckerberg do if faced with this, uh, you know, typically highly unlikely, often embarrassing uh, situation? So that's the that's the game. Paula, you you got it. I will do my best. She's going to nail it, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is going to be great. All right. So, Polly, uh, you know, and Dave, feel free to jump in, obviously, here. But uh, the first one is uh, Joe Biden decides he needs help uh, improving his impossibly abysmal approval ratings. He tries a nay-nay dance on TikTok. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but he tries a nay-nay dance on, on, on TikTok, <laughs> and he almost breaks a hip. He knows he need to, needs to reach aging white people in the suburbs. So, of course, his next move is to go on Facebook. He schedules a meeting with Zuckerberg for guidance. What does Zuckerberg tell him to do? Polly. <laughs> oh my goodness. Get in here, Polly. Come on. <laughs> you guys. What does Zuck tell him to do? He, I mean, Joe's facing, you know, I don't know if he's gonna run for, for re-election in a couple of years, but you know, things are, are kind of grim right now. What what does Zuck need to do on Facebook, Polly? So what is Zuck gonna tell um Biden, Biden to, to do, do on yeah. Facebook? Sure. Or yeah. Or in general. Yeah. Whatever you think. Or in general. Wow. That's a damn hard question. Um, you know, I guess he probably would say that, um, you know, it might be good for Biden to um, kind of up his game a little bit. Um, he's looking too old. New and set of boring. aviators, new set of aviator glasses, maybe. You know, they're really short and get a black, black turtleneck or something. He needs to stop looking so fucking bored with his job. <laughs> there we go. And, That's how you punch dodgy PR in the face. <laughs> and get, get, get some, get some, some balls to actually care about something and, um, you know, try to solve the problems in his party. Now, guess what? Zuckerberg's not going to say that. This is me saying that. <laughs> this is this is what Zuck would do. I think Zuck would be like, uh, uh, you, you need to sensationalize everything. Right. Tell a few lies. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Make some shit up. Create an anime meme, you know, and yeah. uh, um, create some fake Facebook groups. <laughs> That's good. That I can, like that. And then we could spit up the algorithm to... To repair your hip, promote it. Yeah, no, that's 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 oh, probably. And, oh, and then also he, should, Zuckerberg, might also tell me to create some harmful content for children because that's, <laughs> all, <laughs> that's all over the all over the platform. All right, good one. Um, all right, number two, Aaron Rodgers, the uh, the uh, uh, Green Bay Packers quarterback. Um, Paul, you've been following the Aaron Rodgers story. You, you know this guy. No, refresh me. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's okay. Like he 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 kind of he misled everyone said he was immunized but didn't get vaccinated and then got covid and he'd been kind of going about his business essentially like acting as if he'd been vaccinated and you know yeah. uh, putting all, all kinds of people in harm's way so aaron Rodgers decides to quit being a quarterback so he can join joe rogan's fledgling medical practice apparently he went to joe rogan the podcaster for some medical advice so he decides to join him the packers need a new quarterback they, they of course call the zuck man who, who doesn't have much of a throwing arm, but he's proven good at avoiding tricky situations in which people are trying to sack him. Uh, Dave, why don't you take this one? What does Zuckerberg do? <laughs> he, he takes the NFL and puts it in the metaverse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then That's now he can rule the world, right? Uh -huh. And like, doesn't really have to get on the field to play. Right. He can sit behind his little Oculus glasses. Yeah. Yeah. So and he like kind of throw the ball, right? Virtual and football. And yeah, like he, yeah. He can be the he can be the the, the starting quarterback. And, and you know, and since he already runs the social world, he's gonna own the metaverse. And so he has right. the God button to right. win every Super Bowl that's gonna oh, happen. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. So Holly, what do you think? Is that does that, does that make sense <laughs> to you? He, Zuckerberg takes the football into the metaverse and, and wins all the games. Yes. <laughs> yeah, although I'm still trying to understand what the hell the metaverse is. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't let's not try too hard because I don't think we want any part of it. Um, all right, we're gonna come back to that. The here's another one for you. Uh, the Wall Street Journal reported last Friday that Facebook researchers found one in eight of its users report engaging in compulsive use of social media that impacts their sleep work, parenting, or relationship. Zuckerberg uh, knows this, of course. After all, he built the site so he'd have an excuse to drop out of school. But he also knows 
that the actual number of people who suffer because of Facebook and other social sites is much closer to 100%. He can't afford, well, actually he can, but he can't on a reputation level afford to have this information come out. Polly, what does Zuckerberg do? To stop the research from coming out? Yeah, yeah, to uh, to kind of distort the fact that actually the, the number is much closer to 100% of people suffer from, uh, you know, uh, uh, awful behaviors or uh, as a result of Facebook and other social sites. Well, of course he would create his own fake research study showing the many um, benefits to humanity of Facebook. Mm. You know, we become more global citizens. You know, we, we now know our friends from everywhere. Our, our personal um, economic situation has gone, you know, skywards. We don't have to interact with our kids anymore nor take care of them because they're entertained on their own social media platforms. Therefore, you know, there's just been so much good from Facebook, right? We, we can, you know, Facebook can help um, legitimize um, really awful dictators and their regimes, yep. as Fake well elections. as um, anyone yeah. who tells a lie can have a life on Facebook. So, I mean, think about all the benefits of society of that. If he could spend his own survey showing it's just the great equalizer of, of any kind of shitty Smart. behavior. Then, then you know, people are going to read that, not the other news, because we oh, already know wanna, we already know wanna, Facebook's bad for us. You might uh, want to get a job working in CorpCon for Facebook. That might yeah. be your next move. No, you know what he does. You know what he's going to do. He's going to do what he did this last time when Francis Hagen came out there and actually said something. He's just going to attack reporters, right? Right. Right. Instead, what he should do is do the, the old PR trick, right, or the hmm. PR advice: asked about a problem, talk about a solution. Right? right, and that's what Polly Polly was doing right there. Right, just if you yeah. ask my problem, talk about a solution. Blocking bridge, baby. Blocking yeah. bridge. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I got I got two more for you here. I'll try to make these quick. This one has a little twist. Zuckerberg recently announced, as you mentioned before, he's creating the metaverse for all of his quote unquote friends. My guess is no one will show up because you know he's a jerk. But uh, if that turns out to be true, and Zuck is found three years from now wandering aimlessly the streets of Palo Alto wearing a headset and babbling uh, about using his crypto stash to buy virtual donuts. What should a conscientious bystander do? You're walking down the street, you see Zuck just kind of, uh, you know, flailing around around on uh, on University Ave in Palo Alto. Is there is there something as a, you know, as a good citizen you, you might do, uh, Dave or Polly? Any uh, any way to help uh, Mark? You take that, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interviewing at Facebook next week. I can't take this. No. Oh um, no. No, uh, don't do it. I, I, what happened to Facebook? <laughs> I, how do you help Mark? Like he's he's in the he's in the metaverse by himself. Clearly, he's buying virtual donuts with crypto coin or whatever, and and you're just you're, you're feeling bad for the guy. You see him wandering around there. He's by himself. No one's there because no one wants to hang out with him. Like, do oh, you approach I, I, him? Do you try you to make what? him feel better? Do you try to guide him out of the virtual universe? Like, or do you just I, like walk I, the other way and be I, like, there's that crazy Zuckerberg guy? Yeah, you know that crazy guy in the street. Yeah, walking around yeah. talking to himself. You know, whatever. No, I would I do. Know. I would do him a favor. Okay. I said at the top of the show, I'd send him to Iceland verse. So. Nice, <laughs> nice. Point him in the direction of Iceland verse, and you know, like him out there. Yeah. Right, one, one more. Uh, I think this game has run its course. Uh, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Larry Ellison, a bunch of other tech billionaire jerks shoot themselves into space. Zuck realizes they left without him because. You know, like I said, no one likes him. Uh, his feelings are hurt. He recedes to the metaverse to plan his revenge. Polly, what does that revenge look like? Oh my God. What <laughs> <laughs> up with these questions? He's like, I do this at like six o'clock in the morning usually. And yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know. He, he dreams of this. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, Your yes. son, I think this is one of your kids. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it is pretty ridiculous. Does Zuckerberg, is there any? Is there any way, like, I mean, they, I feel like they're all kind of laughing at him anyway. You know, like, they all, it's the billionaire, you know, boys club, obviously. And, but they're all, like, doing kind of semi-cool things. And his cool thing was the metaverse, right? So, like, it's, it's kind of a big joke. Like, does, does, is, is there any recourse for Mark? Like, how can he get back in with the cool kids, I guess is what I'm wondering. Or is there no, 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 uh, no way to do it? I don't know. But is Elon Musk really cool? I mean, he's kind of batshit crazy, too. Just got to say. Um, I don't know. They've they've all got their strange um, idiosyncrasies, but I don't know what uh, he would do for revenge. I, I'm, you know, he's an idiot. I'm going to defend Elon Musk a little hmm. bit. Okay. Yeah, he's idiosyncratic. He might be a little bit crazy. And you, you probably need that in the 
Well, but the dude <laughs> uh, is launching rockets and building tunnels and and creating electric cars and solar. Like, dude, that's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> that's pretty good. good. Yeah, that's yeah. very true. He, he, he is he is doing some exciting things. Whereas, like, if I think about what Facebook has done. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It pales in comparison. I think you're right, guys. I think Mark has no recourse. I think he basically, he should just, you know, close up shop, you know, take his money and run, like step away from the table. I think this would be a good time to get out of the public eye. All right. Um, let's go to our last game. So normally, Dave, we do this rep fire refer thing. But last week, our guest, Jeff Frick, came on the show and, and we didn't have a chance to do his spin on the game. So apologies to Jeff, but I, I stole his idea. I'm willing to give him credit for it, obviously. And so instead of rep, fire, refer, we're going to do a game that's uh, called take, reply, flag. Take, reply, flag. So, Polly, I'm going to read you three pitches, three PR pitches, mm-hmm. and you're going to be the editor or the reporter that receives these pitches. And you either have to – and you have to take one of the pitches as in I'm going to do a story on that. You have to reply – to another one saying thanks but no thanks and you have to flag the third one as spam like this is a stupid effing idea i would never never write a story about that take okay. reply and flags so that makes sense yeah cool and again thanks to jeff frick for the idea killer um all right pitch number one software company launches first ever tool for building an enterprise metaverse okay that's the first one the first ever enterprise software metaverse okay that's the first one pitch number two Software company launches campaign to overturn People Magazine poll and name its CEO, not Paul Rudd, the sexiest man alive. Okay, so, you know, uh, in your case, probably this would be uh, Kumar Paswani, um, right? The CEO of, of Comprise. So, you know, could you, just, could you see yourself issuing that press release, right? It's not Paul, it's Kumar is the sexiest man. So that's the second pitch. And the third pitch is Trump announces plan to name Aaron Rodgers his 2024 running mate, disappointing Kanye West, Ted Nugent, and the guy from my pillow, Mike Lindell. So those, those, <laughs> you, you've got to do, you've, you've got to, you've got to take one of those, got to write a story about it. You got to reply to another one saying, no, nah, I'm going to pass. Thanks, but no thanks. And third, you know, don't, you know, lose my, lose my phone number. Don't ever call me with a pitch again. Okay. So um, the one that I would take would be the People Magazine story because I think that's freaking hilarious. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, I think, yeah. I mean, and you know, like I've seen a picture of Kumar. He's a handsome guy. Like, you know, that that could uh, that could work. Yeah. Um, flag spam. Um, the one I never want to hear from again would be the Trump one. <laughs> right. And I'm not going to explain myself. Um, and so, and the other one, yeah, the the metaverse. I'd be thanks, but no thanks because I just don't really care. Yeah. The enterprise metaverse story sounds, uh, yeah. I, I, I don't want to jump. I don't want, I wouldn't, I don't want to jump on that, that stupid story right now. So. <laughs> Dave, what do you think? What, 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 I, you I would agree with her. I would agree okay. with her. Yeah, okay. totally. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. But, uh, but I would be the sexiest man alive. Not the Oh yeah, alive, sure. Sure. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's, uh, yeah. that's all the stupid, stupid fun I have. So yeah. You know. Kevin, thank you for putting all the work into it. That's, sure. a, that's a good one. And uh, kudos to Jeff uh, Frick for uh, coming yeah, up with that. Yeah, I love it. I love yeah. that. <laughs> Take for five flag. Good idea. Yeah. Um, Polly, uh, we, we, we allow our guests to pick a song on, as our outro. You want to tell us about the song that you picked this week? Yeah, this song is called Tough by Quinn. Uh, do you guys know this band? Um, he's like a, a, a white guy, rapper, crooner guy. Anyway, he's, he's actually really, really good. Um, and this song, um, it, so he's writing about, I think, a, a guy. The song is about, um, it seems like a, a friend who's a guy who's like really macho and really tough all the time, but can't ever like be vulnerable, can't ever just like calm down and, and just be a, a real person. And so he's making these assumptions about him. Like, you know, I know you, you watch... Uh, eat, pray, love on repeat and stuff like that. You're actually a mushy kind of guy. And I kind of like this song. Well, I just like this song because it's a great song, but I think it's really sort of um, a good commentary on our society in a way, even on tech, you know, everybody has a statement. Everybody is, is so opinionated. Everyone has to be right. Everyone has to be tough. 
everyone has to be this or that, but really like we're all kind of human underneath and, and we all need to like just chill out and, and yeah. that chill out. Well, what, the, 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 the song is tough. What's the artist's name? Quinn? Quinn, and then it's got, you know, Quinn, some Roman uh, numerals yeah. there or something. I don't know how to count that, that Roman numeral. It looks what like an XC22. I don't know what the yeah. C is. 10 or something. Know. It's maybe a thousand. So I don't know what it means. Yeah. Maybe it's. All right. Okay. Yeah. Polly. Well, let's listen to it. Polly, thanks for being on the show. Hey, I loved it. You yeah, are the you. best Thank guest. You. <laughs> you, you have been the best guest. Come back and do it again. Cool. All right, guys. Take all right. Care, guys. See you all next week. Take us See out. Bye bye. Your mom never kissed you If you ever cried you wipe with muscle tissue You bench pressing more than me's not the issue I know you're actually weaker than that Let's open up and get deeper than that Like why, why are you only vulnerable when no one's around Your gym membership is not a crown you're not so tough I know that nightlight song when you sleep You're not so tough Yeah, you watch, he pray love on repeat And I'm sure you'd win in an altercation But you're still insecure to me, also mess me up